Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. It's hard to believe that Disney's Animal Kingdom is 25 years old. And with it comes so many memories of a park that is truly distinct among all other Disney theme parks worldwide. Join me on this 25th birthday, celebrating not only the park, but Earth Day. I visit each of the lands of the park and share some unique memories, not only of my own experiences here professionally and with my family, but also stories from cast members who have shaped the park and have played roles big and small. It's a beautiful day in Natazoo, so come join us as we celebrate 25 years of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This podcast, as well as others, are brought to you by Performance Journeys, which also celebrates its anniversary 20 years as a training and development group bringing best in business ideas through keynotes, workshops, seminars, and programs to organizations big and small. If you're seeking to improve your customer delivery, re-engage the morale of your workforce, or to improve the leadership of your organization, contact us. At Performance Journeys, it's as much about the journey as it is about the performance. Well, before we get started, just want you to know that uh, we have uh, photos and images of things we're going to be talking about in our post associated with this podcast, DisneyInsights.com. Make sure you subscribe not only to this podcast, but to DisneyInsights.com so that you can be notified of upcoming podcasts and posts as they come along. Also know that we have started a new Facebook group, which is at this point open to all who want to join and kind of share their thoughts. We're inviting you to talk about what your favorite memory or favorite thing about Disney's Animal Kingdom is. So please check that out and join our Facebook page. It's just up and starting. Meanwhile, I want to start out with just the words from Michael Eisner's dedication to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Welcome to a kingdom of animals, real, ancient, and imagined. A kingdom ruled by lions, dinosaurs, and dragons. A kingdom of balance, harmony, and survival. A kingdom we enter to share in the wonder we gaze at the beauty, thrill of the drama, and learn. Dedicated this 22nd day of April, 1998. This was a big event, and this park is so totally unique. Some, it's not their favorite because it's really hot to go through during certain months of the year, but others find it to be their absolute favorite park of all. And so we're going to share our memories. I'm going to share some of my experiences. And again, we hope that on Facebook, you can share some of yours as well. So without any further ado, let's head to Disney's Animal Kingdom, where I was there on its 25th anniversary. We come upon the entry to Disney's Animal Kingdom and Lo and behold, there is a 100th anniversary uh, statue uh, celebrating the anniversary of the entire company. Curious that, wow, 25 years into 
the history of Walt, the Walt Disney Company, he began with the, he started to build out the, the uh, documentary series like Seal Island and uh, The Living Desert. And, and then really at the 75th anniversary of the company, along came Disney's Animal Kingdom. And now today we're celebrating at 25 years of this park. And I got to go back 25 years, but actually I need to go back about 27, 28 years to the very first time I was here. Not in the park, I'll save that for, uh, for my next story, but, uh, but when I first came to the park, I was looking for it. And again, there were no maps back then. There was no uh, mobile phone. You could just map out where it is. But I wandered the streets of Walt Disney World. I want to say this is 95, but it may have been as, as late as early 96. And I wandered through and I came upon, uh, well, I came upon this very large parking lot. And one of the first things Disney Animal Kingdom built uh, at the beginning was the parking lot. They did that because they needed to be able to um, have a place for construction workers and in many cases, construction buses and vans to come and take workers. There were hundreds if not thousands of workers who made Disney's Animal Kingdom a reality. I remember looking beyond the parking lot into the park I think they began construction more around the safari or maybe even around Discovery Island, but the front of Oasis, nothing. There were no trees. All there was was orange groves uh, scattered about and then just cattle land where you would see um, cattle in the pasture. It was all flat. There were no mountains. There was no rock work. There was none of that. It was just flat. Florida and uh, and that was my first visual image of Disney's Animal Kingdom when I first arrived at what would eventually become the gates of the park my first moments in an actual finished park was days just before the cast member preview back in 1998 and at that time, they were routing us in through the entrance, but then out through a backstage area and into Dino Land. So actually Oasis, they were doing some kind of construction activity and I, everybody, all the cast members were being rerouted through there. And so my first memory of coming into this park was really through Dino Land. And I was totally amazed, especially by the time I got to the bridge, how lush, how green, how much foliage there was in all of this. It was, it was a very different looking park. And, you know, we didn't have social media back then. It, there wasn't a lot of images actually shown at that point. Uh, regarding what the park would look like. Even to the cast members, we didn't see a lot. So a lot of it was discovered when you first entered into the park. It was that new. 
Now, before I leave Dino Land, I have to say some of my sweetest memories of this park actually happened of all places in the boneyard. Because at that time, we were still two children away um, from completing our immediate family. And as each of those children came along, we spent a lot of time, especially because they were both autistic and could only do so many things. We spent a lot of time in the sand play area and other portions of the boneyard. So I have some really tender, sweet uh, memories of my daughter. And now actually the memories are with my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter who loves to come to the boneyard. Yeah, um, the uh, uh, dino ride, uh, the way you have to understand there was no dino um, area of the park that was um, uh, Hester and Chester's, all of that. The only thing that was Hester and Chester's was the gift shop. The primeval world and uh, attractions and so forth didn't come around until until 2001, which it was really a result of attendance being down, not a lot of money, and the answer was to do some cheap carnival rides um, at that time. So, so a lot of that wasn't around. There was a much bigger Cretaceous trail that you kind of wound around. And not long after the park opened, they actually had a little exhibit where you could watch um, Sue, the, uh, the dinosaur there, actually being um, completed as they had found this very large um, dinosaur and were finishing up the the uh, the activity of of cleaning her up and and uh, finishing finishing that process but but dinosaur land dino land sorry dino land was a very uh, a much smaller area but richly themed restaurantosaurus was a very cool very different theme so was boneyard and uh, and I had not been on Indiana Jones uh, uh, adventure at Disneyland yet. So my exposure to that first attraction was actually through um, that experience. By the way, as we kind of head into the band starting up and Kevin out in uh, welcoming guests, we also passed a very long queue of guests waiting to see uh, Moana um, at the uh, at this uh, dock on the uh, uh, front part of this Discovery Island. We're here at Asia, and you need to understand that on opening day, there wasn't hardly anything here in this section of the park. The drink walla walla at the entrance and the little prayer tree uh, was... And, yes, uh, the bird show was... Uh, there in from the beginning other than that there was it would be the following year when Amanda Parr would open up to guests with uh, Kaylee River Rapids and it would be a number of years later before you had Expedition Everest and you could even go around the lake you could see the lake but there was nothing on the other side of the lake the only thing the only other thing that is kind of part of 
this district was the theater closer to Dino Land, obviously at that time. You couldn't, again, couldn't go around the river to see it, but the theater opened up. It was an open air theater and it had the Jungle Book as its show. And in the early days, when I first took my family to see it, uh, they were in dress rehearsals. They had not yet received their, uh, their uh, costuming heads, so to speak. And so they were using makeup and it was a thoroughly entertaining show. So entertaining because you got to see the actors' faces that when the masks finally arrived, they were like, hmm, do we really, do we really want to use these? It's not as entertaining. And so for a while, uh, they just continued on without the masks and allowing the actors to, to have their faces shown uh, with makeup. And so that was the early days of Asia, just those attractions. Uh, it is such a huge part of the park now, but in the early days, it was just a little, little piece of the whole. The section, the path that joins you from Asia over to Africa is also one of my earliest memories, but in a very different way. At that point we were, it was what I believe to be the latter half of 1996. The park was well under construction, but there was nothing but a skeletal version of the Tree of Life. And I took uh, an opportunity to visit the park in a pickup truck, and we came in through Conservation Station, went down a path that mirrors what is the train tracks now, uh, leading toward conservation, came off of that, and then headed what was a land bridge across the river. Of course, there was no rivers at the beginning of, uh, before this park was created. All the rivers are man-made. All the lakes are man-made. But in order to do all the construction on Discovery Island, they had to maintain some body of, of land. And so a land bridge, or just simply the land was kept dead center behind the Tree of Life so that trucks construction trucks and other vehicles could go to and from Disney's Animal Kingdom uh, Discovery Island to do, uh, to, do to, to build the tree and the other aspects of that centerpiece land. And so I remember how, again, the, the very few trees at this point, they were just beginning to be put in. And I remember how it was just sandy. It was a lot of sand and a lot of construction dust and it didn't look anything like it does now. Now that path, um, of course, the, eventually that land was removed and the river was made one whole. But my favorite, absolutely favorite, uh, one of my favorite things is the path between Asia and Africa and just how there's a little tiny path that kind of verges off of it where you can kind of enjoy uh, your, just kind of get off into the unknown of being, you know, out in nature. And uh, it's just part of what makes Disney Animal Kingdom so special, are these little corners and paths of the park. So my hope as a grandfather today 
was to take my granddaughter on the train in Harambe. Wasn't really looking to go all the way to Conservation Station, which is a little bit of a haul and pulling out the stroller and collapsing the stroller and all the details that go with that. So I just decided I'd just take her on the train. But when we got to the train station, I realized she was asleep. So we are here in Harambe having a, Harambe having a, uh, well, I'm just uh, giving you this narrative while she takes a nap. Um, I have to mention a couple of different things. First of all, as uh, in a previous opportunity, I had the chance to be in Conservation Station to uh, witness and observe a lion that was on the table who had been uh, put to sleep, not put to sleep, but was, um, was under anesthesia while they were taking care of vitals and, and doing kind of a health check on him to literally stand three feet from a full-grown lion. Um, you, you're really hoping that that anesthesia is working. But the experience of being there, literally in the room with doctors, with nurses, and to hear them talk about it is one of the reasons why Disney's Animal Kingdom is special. It really didn't open with a lot of attractions when you in fact, ride-wise, there was the train and there was the Discovery River boats and there was uh, the dinosaur ride and there was um, uh, Kilimanjaro safaris. But other than that, there were no ride attractions with the park. Um, it really was an emphasis on animals and uh, that unfortunately didn't pay off for them because not long after opening, uh, they realized that attendance was tapering. So they really had to do a not a zoo promotion that suggests that it's more than just animals. That's unfortunate because the whole, the whole investment in the animals and their care and well-being is the most underappreciated aspect of this park. Disney's Animal Kingdom belongs to AZA, um, the American Zoological Association. I can't begin to tell you how important that group is. They're not perfect, but their intent is to make sure not only animals that are in captivity are well cared for and attended to, they are making sure that the species for all of those animals are is continuing and there is a lot of thought and a lot of science and a lot of research put into really making sure that um that we see animals like this for for centuries to come and you know there are a lot of places you can choose to go to that are not aza certified but they have animals you can come see the animals I will tell you that doing that is, 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 not, is not the best choice. It may be a less expensive choice, it may be cheaper, but in the end, you should really support um, associate organizations, zoos, and others' experiences like Disney's Animal Kingdom where they are really um, seeking after the benefit and long-term care of um, of these animals. 
many animals do not have, despite their best efforts even sometimes, many of these animals do not have the best care in these other institutions. And a lot of things go wrong and um, it's not an easy science. By the way, uh, if you've heard my story about coming on board Disney, you know that I did a lot of video work. Um, initially, of course, this is long before Disney's Animal Kingdom has opened up. But I did some video work with a team of people who at that time went down to South Africa. And their job was to simply um, video the work of collecting the crocodiles which were brought back to the United States. Collecting um, and uh, taking care of them, their care, feed, the, all of that for every animal what is and was done uh, with video to prove, to hold, a, to create an accountability uh, of those who were involved with that process. It is a thought through process. It is an accountable process. And uh, I don't think, again, I don't think people appreciate the amount. And, and all the animals came in about 98 uh, or 1997, I'm sorry, about a year before park opening. And they were actually held in an area north of Walt Disney World, uh, north of Orlando, where they actually were um, quarantined to make sure that they were not spreading diseases to other animals and that they were safe and their health was well um, before they were introduced to the area that they would live in here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So a lot of attention. I mentioned a few... Uh, minutes ago, the the railroad. I remember a gentleman, elderly British gentleman, who showed up in our, our church uh, for church services for many months prior to Disney's Animal Kingdom. His specialty was laying down railroads, and he was brought in from the UK to handle that process. It, it is an art form and science in and of itself. You cannot believe the number of people with specialties who are involved in the building and maintenance and operation of theme parks like Disney's Animal Kingdom. And it just, every time I ride the rails there, I think about this gentleman and his expertise and how he had dedicated a part of his career to coming and making sure that that experience was right um, happening. Also, if I haven't mentioned before, I need to mention my dear, dear friend Richard, who was one of the first people we met when we first moved into the Orlando area. Richard is from, um, Richard Tete is from Ghana, and uh, he actually has a pri, he actually is a world-class um, boxer and was raised in a family of boxers. Uh, I'm going to, um, I knew him at the time he was working as a sous chef at the Top of the World. In fact, one of the last performances of Top of the World, at, which was how um, the restaurant before California Grill was named, um, was uh, that was a show up there and uh, we got to see one of the last performances thanks to uh, Richard and his generosity and um, Richard took on coming to Tusker House in Harambe Village here in Africa and he has a very well he has a couple of unique stories one of which is that on 
opening day or during the opening festivities, they had a special event that during that event, Michael Eisner and other um, celebrities and dignitaries and everybody was gathered at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Michael noticed that Richard's name tag said Ghana. And so Michael asked Richard, so you're from Ghana, how does Harambe, how does Harambe compare to, um, how does Harambe compare to, uh, to what we've done here at Disney's Animal Kingdom in Africa? And Richard just out of the blue said, you know, I didn't know that you had the same terrain and the same geographic look and feel as you do in Africa. I was so surprised when I came here because this just looks like Africa when, from where I came from, um, which was the perfect response. I think Joe Rody may have even been very close to him when that was said and made Rody's day, I think. But, um, but there is a lot of loving detail put into Harambe, which is a coastal town, um, similar to the one that Richard grew up in. Um, I have to also, I'm going to do a big uh, detour on this and tell you a little story about Richard. Richard was, um, represented the state of Israel. He was not Jewish at the time, may have converted at, at some point, but, but he, um, he represented the state of Israel as a boxer in the 1972 Munich Olympics. And, um, and so that's how good a quality boxer he was. He did not, unfortunately, last very long during that experience um, and, uh, and found himself, because he didn't have a lot of money, heading back home uh, after, after he didn't win. That was actually to his benefit because, if you remember, during the 1972 uh, Munich Olympics, um, terrorists took over the Israeli compound in the Olympic Village and killed many uh, who were part of that group. So Richard was actually spared his life uh, by losing in the boxing ring. But I, I just tell the story of Richard because he, like thousands of other individuals in this park, have helped make Disney's Animal Kingdom what it is today and so special and so unique. And, uh, and for that reason, I'm just, very lucky to have been um, able to be a part of this. I didn't have a chance to mention a few minutes ago when we were talking about that land bridge during construction of Disney's Animal Kingdom and I was in the truck. I didn't tell you who drove the truck. It was the head of, well, the Imagineer responsible for all of landscaping here at Disney's Animal Kingdom, Paul Comstock. We were doing an event at the Disney Institute for the uh, Chicago Tribune, and Paul willingly came and spoke. Maybe you've heard me talk about this experience with Paul in an earlier podcast. Paul was unique. He had gone throughout the world collecting seeds and seedlings in order to figure out the right grasses and and uh, look and feel for the park. And the legendary story he told was pitching a tent, if you can imagine, at the top of um, the vista where the baobab tree is, pitching a tent up there and watching the sun, watching the field during the day to see how the sun changed 
uh, many of the um, how the sun changed and reflected differently among the grasses. He was trying to get a very um, layered multiplane effect in the uh, safari as he was uh, developing it. And that, that was the attention detail that he put in it. Everything from safari grasses to orchids in the front of the park in Oasis. Paul was amazing. We are moving from Harambe into Pandora, World of Avatar. And before we get into that, let me talk a little bit about this land, which began with um, uh, Camp Minnie Mickey. Well, actually it began with the idea of a beastly kingdom. And that explains why near the bridge where I'm walking is uh, a rock outcropping, which was supposed to be a part of the eventual details that would form Beastly Kingdom. But unfortunately, that, that never came to be. Remember at the same time that uh, Disney was having to address uh, the, the big debts of Disneyland Paris. So what seemed to be a very big scale uh, experience plan for Disney's Animal Kingdom got scaled back in a number of ways. And this is one place it got really scaled back, which was Camp Mini Mickey taking over for Beastly Kingdom. Camp Mini Mickey, though it was somewhat on a shoestring, had a lot to love. It's a little meandering creek, which is still there. Um, that, little, that little creek led you to some really fun uh, experiences from Disney's Hollywood Studios or what was Disney MGM Studios at the time. They took the Pocahontas show, which would then be replaced by Hunchback of Notre Dame, and they introduced animals into it and uh, Mother Willow from the original show and, of course, Pocahontas, and created a little show there that um, was kind of fun, even though it had maybe too many rats for comfort. Then around the corner was this show called Festival of the Lion King. Now, the parade floats in this festival actually came from when the film was introduced as a parade at Disneyland in California. And they took these parade floats and brought them over in an effort to save money and created an outdoor theater. Originally, the theater was, in, was, was covered, but it was outdoors. And they brought the show in and nobody really knew what it was all about, but it was embraced. In fact, in time, it would become the most beloved entertainment show in the Magic Kingdom. It certainly is by my son, who continues to make it an absolutely important event in every visit to Disney's Animal Kingdom. He really loves uh, he really loves this show. Of course, it's been moved over to Africa and Pandora has come in its place. But uh, it, is, it is a great show and is in some ways the heart and soul of Disney's Animal Kingdom. It brings animals and animal stories and it brings the best of Disney all in one place with wonderful music, dancing and everything combined. You got to absolutely love Festival of the Lion King.
so we go from Camp Mini Mickey to the world of Pandora Avatar. And I remember the day that was announced, I was on a business trip to Missouri. And I got to tell you, it was a far corner from nowhere. Uh, this was a particular client that was an industrial plant. A couple of days ago. Uh, far away. I don't even remember how I got that client. But at any rate, I remember hearing the announcement. I checked into what was probably one of the worst motels, but the only thing available in the middle of nowhere. I sit down, I turn on the TV, and no sooner I had done it, that the TV started to play the movie Avatar, which I had not seen in the theaters. I knew of it, but I hadn't seen it in the theater. So I sat there on the edge of my bed, watching this movie and thinking, how are they going to pull off this attraction at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Taking the space of Camp Meeting Mickey, how are they going to make that work? And the next several years was one of watching from afar the construction go vertical on this place and to see it become a reality, which is, I gotta say, one of my very favorite places in all of Walt Disney World. The first night that our family had a chance to see it, we were joined by David Zanola, my good friend, and he was seeing it for the first time. We were like little kids, seeing it and, and checking out all the details and noting everything in all the attractions uh, it's, David was just like David always is, on top of all things Disney. I'm doing a shameless plug here, but if you haven't booked your travel through Out the Door Travel with David, um, he has saved me hours this week in booking a cruise for an upcoming trip that I have. And uh, he's going to save you hours and it's not going to cost you anything. And he's amazing, but... We just remember that first watching the land come aglow at night. Just so cool. And I have since gone on, and my first Disney at Play discovery is actually an exploration of all things Avatar. If you want to dig in as to what everything represents in Avatar, then definitely join the Wayfinder Society because you have access and privilege to that. And uh, it, will, it will blow you away how much detail, how much thought, how much thinking is part of that experience. We have gone semi-circular around this park and yet we've not talked about Discovery Island. And uh, we just left Pizza Fari, having uh, joined my family for a meal. It was uh, really one of the easier places to get into today because of the crowds, but it brought back so many memories. You know, when you're feeding a family of six at a theme park, uh, the carb to sauce ratio really <laughs> uh, plays in your favor at Pizza Fari. It is still the worst food in the world, even after having the 25th anniversary cupcake, it is still the worst food, but um, it really uh, has a beautiful setting. 
And honestly, one of the reasons besides price and, and quantity of food that we were there is it was one of the only places you could go inside and get air conditioning. And I will tell you that the air conditioning at Pizza Fari is still remarkably good. So lots of memories, almost emotional ones from Pizza Fari. We have spent not in the last five years. We've barely been there at all, but in the last, in the last, uh, or in the early years, in the early 10 to 15 years of the park, we spent a lot of time in Pizza Fari. Discovery Island has always been the centerpiece of this park and uh, with good reason, the Tree of Life, so unusual. I was talking about um, how few images there were of this park. When my first responsibility, if you've listened to my, my own history of Disney, the first thing I did was work with marketing to create the very first interactive presentation of Walt Disney World. And I think that's actually when I first realized where Disney's Animal Kingdom was going to show up in the map. This is early 1996. And I remember asking for all the photos available on Disney's Animal Kingdom. And uh, there, were not, there were not very many available to, uh, to put onto the site when I first, uh, first created that. In fact, actually, when I came on board Disney, I was actually the, and I talked a little bit about my South African group. I hosted their graduation in the theater, uh, the Safari, or the uh, Birds of Prey Theater, or the Birds, I can't remember the name of the theater, and the show has changed a couple of titles. But um, we were the first event group to actually do an event at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And that was around 99, 2000. At that, 99. At that point, um, you couldn't touch Disney's Animal Kingdom. They were doing everything they could to try to figure out the park to make it operational. And uh, so uh, we didn't have the, uh, the benefit of going in and doing group events like we did over at Epcot or at the studios or Magic Kingdom. At any rate, from uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, we, we head out through the original uh, entry land, which actually was the last one I saw on my first visit to Disney's Animal Kingdom. I told you I ended up entering through Dino Land, through a backstage area. I think when I first saw Oasis, and I saw the investment in theming, in water, in gardens, in animals, and it had nothing to do with a ride or attraction. I was really blown away by that level of detail and attention to making this park something very different and very special. And in truth, it has been, it has been that ever since. There is nothing in all the Disney parks I have visited worldwide, there is nothing like Disney's Animal Kingdom. It is unique. It is a great concept. It serves a larger purpose than simply being a place for tourists to go. It is 
it is an, a message about our earth and about what we need to do to make it come alive and to preserve it for generations to come. Oh